as you say, we're in 2023. These hierarchy of men are still paving the way to control policies and laws. People in power are looking for other ways to suppress. Yeah. There's that disturbing image, I think, of a dozen men in Congress in the United States writing laws which criminalize abortion, <laughs> and there's not one woman in the room. In preaching misogyny, in, pe in preaching patriarchy, in preaching racism, what is really being preached? is power. The idea of power preservation through suppression. Mm. And I look at that as ignorance, mm. cowardice, weakness. First, I'm just going to go back slightly on the education system and how it's engineered. Do you think that's purposely done? Absolutely. Uh, history is often written by the victor. Mm. And when you look at the way in which even our syllabus is engineered mm. globally, it doesn't shed a light to people who are of color, women, mm -hmm. LGBT communities. Patriarchy in India starts with going back hundreds if not thousands of years, starts with property. In families that have multiple uh, sons and, and daughters, it again will just be the sons who inherit mm -hmm. the business or the home. What are some of the struggles that people face when it comes to accepting that we are going into a digital world? I think we need to embrace the digital but we also need to regulate the digital ai scares me very soon we'll mm. be able to produce an entire hollywood movie yeah. within minutes that's really disturbing because yeah. it takes that personal away mm. and if ai can do that that's just in one field great well i'm amar singh and i'm an activist focusing on women's rights and LGBT rights. Mm -hmm. And I'm also involved in the art, film, and digi digital collectibles spaces. I mean, you're heavily involved in it, aren't you? You've, um, <laughs> you've heavily been involved in it for a long time now, haven't you? Yes. And, my, and I started with an art gallery which focused on championing historically overlooked and important female artists mm. and really um, built some of the markets, uh, particularly yeah. in Europe, for a number of overlooked um, female artists. And and that kind of paved its way into film and digital collectibles, which people, yeah. um, most people think is a scam. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you, I mean, this is what I mean. So you've actually transitioned quite smoothly from what we perceive as normal art to the digital world. Yes. And also touching upon the metaverse as well, which um, I've read recently. So firstly, let's kind of go back because you're not just an activist, although we're not going to focus on this, but you are a royal activist, aren't you? Right. Well, I, I was born and raised in London. Yeah. And um, originally from um, the Kapurthala royal family, yeah. which, uh, as, you, uh, as you know, royal families in India, they were stripped of their power during India's independence. Mm -hmm. But my my grandmother mm -hmm. um, married um, my grandfather, who was a member um, on yeah. my father's side of the Kapurthala royal family, which is one of the oldest royal families in India. And there's some remarkable people within my family. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a history of activists in your family. Yeah, absolutely. Predominantly female ones, aren't there? Absolutely. So my my grandmother, um, who who was uh, this princess, you know, yeah. remarkable lady. She she was um, a women's education's activist. She championed women's education alongside Nehru, India's first prime minister. My ancestor, Rajkumari Amrit Kaur, who um, was an, probably the most notable member of the Kapurthala royal family. She 
was a not only a, a great feminist and women's rights activist, but she was India's first health minister and set up the first women's education fund for India. So there is this kind of long line of this uh, is women's in your blood. rights. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it, I kind of feel like you were born, um, when you're born around remarkable people like that, you just, it's organically and it's in, within you, isn't yeah. it, to just, you know, make change. Now, firstly, why is activism so important? Why are you so passionate about it, especially when um, you're championing women, people of colour? Um, people might say, what makes you a male, someone yes. that you know should be at the forefront of this type of activism? Well, obviously, I'm a person of colour, um, as you might be able to see. <laughs> <laughs> people will see, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and, um, and minorities have been suppressed. I was just reading an article yesterday. It's it's just crazy because we're in 2023 mm. where a couple, African-American couple, this is literally in the last few days, in the United States just won a case because their home was valued at um, a, lower. a lower evaluation because yeah. they were black. And right. they got their white friend to pose as the owner. That's crazy, And it was valued it? Yeah. at $500,000 more. And that is the world we're living in. This was yeah. in the United States. Um, also, um, there, yesterday, there were some laws put in place in certain American states which will allow um, local states to um, ban and, and not provide licenses to same-sex couples, hmm. marriage licenses. So, you know, this is the world we're living in, even though we're meant to be in democracies. And, yeah. and that's why it's really important, I think, to fight for freedom and for people's rights. And, mm. and for me, you know, people a lot of the time, they think, you know, why women? Why LGBT? Mm. Are you gay? Um, do you want to be a woman? <laughs> I'm not gay. <laughs> you know, I'm 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 happy, content with. Um, I identify uh, as a as a man. He him. I mean, is, um, and also, is that the point? Con- I mean, is, that is that really the now. point? Either you know, um, you know, um, why? I think from what I I get from you, and we've spoken a few times now. Yes, that you just love wanna, speaking to you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> but you just want to do the right thing. And Absolutely. I, I think that's rare for people. Well, here are some quick statistics. The top 10 richest people in the world are all men. Mm-hmm. The, you know, uh, I think the 100 most expensive paintings in the world, 100 most expensive paintings mm-hmm. in the world are all by men. The top 20 are all by white men. Now, I use Rihanna as an example. Right, uh, okay. People sometimes laugh when I initially say this. Well, I'm a big um, fan of her. I love her. I, 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 love I, her. I don't yeah. know her, but I, I love what we she stands for. We should know her. We should, we should get perhaps, to know her. Perhaps. Um, but I, I love what she stands for. But Rihanna is a really good example. Mm-hmm. Because Rihanna is a beautiful, inside and out, black, multi-billionaire. Mm. 20 years ago, that yeah. did not exist. Female no. as well. Yeah. Um, that did not exist. Mm. Uh, and then Oprah, I believe, was one of the first women of color yeah. to reach that level of wealth. Now, it's not the wealth that is important here. It's the transition of power and what one can do with that power. What does Rihanna do with that power? She supports women. Mm-hmm. She supports equality. She supports minorities. She is an ambassador, really, um, for global change. But there's literally, mm. when you think about Rihanna, you think about her age, you think about what she's accomplished, 
two handfuls of of people like that who fit her level of success. Mm-hmm. That, thanks to her and others, will change over the next few years, over the next few decades, which means power, mm-hmm. wealth, equality will shift to women of color, women in general, LGBT uh, community members. Rihanna is a big supporter of the LGBT community. Now, what that means is we will hopefully in our lifetime see one of the top 10 wealthiest individuals, uh, particularly self-made female, some of the most celebrated painters in the world, female. But we don't live in a world like that. That's the thing that people don't understand um, often is the framework of our society does not exist like that yet. Hmm. But what would the world look like where the next Elon Musk hmm. is a black woman? What what could they do if they were provided with the opportunities and platform uh, that he, ha- he has been provided? And of course, he's remarkable in what he, he's achieved mm-hmm. across his companies. But even he states that being a white South African man helps. He's had some privileges yeah. that others haven't. Yeah. Um, and and that is is something to think about where where when a gay man all of a sudden leads a country, a black woman all of a sudden is the leading business titan within their region. Mm. That creates a massive shift that we haven't seen before and it opens up the floodgates to communities who previously have been suppressed. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that's remarkable because it it means that there are people out there, women, gay, lesbian, trans people, they could cure cancer. They could, you know, um, further move forward space tourism mm-hmm. or, or, or space engineering. But we just haven't been there or got there yet. Mm. Um, we're still moving towards. So anything I can do to move us towards mm. that 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 place, that point, I think um, is important. And I think just listening to you, just listening to your passion, just listening to how much this really means to you, I think, it gives me goosebumps, actually. Um, so, thank you. Why do you think we're still here? Is it to do with? I mean, you've given Rihanna as an example. Do you think it's to do simply, maybe not simply, but to do with education? The fact that the people that are suppressed, the are majority people of color, that they don't have, they haven't been taught or learned especially from the generations before they haven't been given that that sort of push or sort of encouragement to say you could also do this well they are educated but they're educated in a very suppressed yeah suppressed one-sided racist and colonial view um it's funny when you when you just ask that question i i thought to myself the powerful, almighty, anti-LGBT colonialists yeah. must be horrified to see someone like Rihanna yeah. in in the position she's in now. And that's the reason we need to empower and, and, and pave the way for other Rihannas to come forward mm-hmm. and other um, women of colors, women of color and women in general to lead. Um, but if you look at our education, uh, even I, I, I went to 
a great school. I, I met wonderful people. I made lifelong friends. But it's frankly very male, pale, and stale because <laughs> when we uh, at, at my school, and mm. I'll say this, you know, 50 grand a year um, high school, insanity, yeah. insanity, like ludicrous sums of money, I'm being ta taught in um, five minutes of one lesson over the course of a year in our history syllabus about hundreds, if not thousands of my countrymen in India dying at the hands of General Dyer in the Amritsar massacre in 1919. Mm. And that's glossed over in milliseconds. But Henry VIII, Henry the Tudors, VIII, right, the exactly. And yeah. and when 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 you look at the way in which even our syllabus is engineered mm. globally, it doesn't shed a light to people who are of color, women, mm. LGBT communities. Um, the British colonial powers at the time of India, they're the ones who instigated anti-LGBT laws. When Section 377, which criminalized homosexuality, was abolished in 2018, that law had been instigated by the colonial forces when they were ruling India. Mm -hmm. So often people forget that it was only 2018 that was yeah. stripped away and abolished. And so those that colonial power, mm. that suppressive power, going back to the early 19th century, had existed for hundreds of years and really wiped out an entire population, the LGBT population, um, from their rights and, and from their freedoms. And, and that's why, as, as you know, I'm currently leading the Supreme Court case in India to abolish LGBT conversion therapy. And then we will be focusing on the Supreme Court case to legalize same-sex adoption. India is the country with the most amount of orphans in the entire world. Mm -hmm. And yet same-sex couples can't adopt. That's insanity. That's yeah. crazy. And when that changes, imagine all the loving homes that those children will will get to experience and, and imagine what those children can grow into. They could be scientists, doctors, actors, uh, thinkers, activists, and they need to be loved and nurtured, but they're being stripped of their rights because of anti-LGBT laws mm. in the world's largest democracy. So this is the shift that we're working. So, I mean, you were talking about First, I'm just going to go back slightly on the education system and how it's engineered. Do you think that's purposely done? Absolutely. Uh, history is often written by the victor, mm. and it's it's across the board. I think if Black Lives Matter hadn't proliferated into the powerful and, and worthy movement mm. it became, we wouldn't have heard about George Floyd. We no. wouldn't have heard about the beautiful soul, Breonna Taylor. And we would probably still, uh, we still are watching us as black men and women are being shot dead due to the color of their skin. Mm. And when a black man or black woman or brown woman or trans woman is shot due to their skin, due to, due to their, their gender, their sexuality, that is a global human rights issue. And people matter. So it's very important to care 
in working with other forces mm. to provide and implement laws that prevent um, such drastic occurrences uh, from happening and working towards education, educating people that we should live in a harmonious mm. community where all people of all colors and faiths and orientation should be accepted. Yeah, I hear you. And when you when you talk about um, history and you talk about the education system and you talk about Rihanna, it seems to me that there is a fear that, that there is a fear to certain groups, white groups, I would say. Um, there is a fear that they believe that people of colour, other eth ethnicities are going to be more powerful. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that there is a fear among them that they're worried that, I don't know, their their ethnicity will be wiped out or the power will become far too great for them to control? What do you think well, it is? I I love um this is why i love the song imagine you know <laughs> yeah. and and, uh, and i love the idea of one world one people Th the homogenization of of society often f scares particularly extremist groups but how can we be suppressed um for thousands more years and and the only way to achieve full freedom is to be accepting mm. of all people. And we all have our prejudices. Mm -hmm. I was with this amazing artist um, the, the, <laughs> the other night. I'm not. I'm not gonna. Uh, no, I'm, not, no. I'm, not, I'm not saying uh, their names. I won't even say their gender. I'm already excited but, to hear this. <laughs> but they, they, they were very passionate. He was. Uh, they, they were very passionate. They were very passionate. Mm -hmm. And the artist was was French, and a beautiful soul, but an ex extremely liberal. But then they started saying, "But the far right." The extremists who are killing the gays, killing the lesbians. No, I hate them. I hate them all. We have to kill them. Oh, God. Right. And I I said to them, I said, we can't do that. And, yeah. and, and don't kill anybody. And don't think in those terms. And th I don't think this person meant it, but... It sounds like they were trying to be humorous in some sort of way. They weren't actually. They were being humorous because of the mannerisms. Yes. Um, yeah. But there was there was some sincerity to the idea. There was an undertone and it of starts truth there with yeah. the idea. Yeah. Right. And it's very easy to say that person wants to kill all yeah. the gays all the trans individuals in the world, mm -hmm. we need to kill them. No, we need to educate them. Mm. We need to educate people around them. We need to find out where that comes from as well, I exactly. think. Exactly, exactly. We need to find out where hate comes from because it, it, it comes from all sorts, doesn't it, of places. It comes from childhood. Absolutely. It comes from trauma. It comes from um, experiences uh, as well, as as well as, un unfortunately, um, 
social media and, yes. and, and outlets that do brainwash and, you know, um, as we know about previous terrorism suspects as well, it, you know, it can radicalise people, um, which is why I, I, I believe it, you know, there should be somebody um, looking at every single post and every single, you know, to monitor what, what is being said. And there's, there's a lot of uh, misogyny yeah. through social media. There's individuals who have gained huge followings through being misogynistic. Yeah. But why though? This is this. I mean, this is a, a great subject as well because um, again, we're not going to name any names, but I think we we definitely are talking about someone in particular. And why? Why do say a man who has extremist views on how he believes women should be acting, should be dressing, and should be. In, in a lot of ways subservient mm. to her husband, to her man. Um, and therefore, because of her subservience and the fact that she's at home waiting for him to come home, um, he should be out at work, but also he's able to go out and socialising um, when he wants to. Why are men like that still gaining a huge, not just a following, but following in its millions because i i think one thing which i'm sure is it's been touched upon but i haven't often seen is in preaching misogyny and in, pe in preaching patriarchy and preaching racism what is really being preached is power the, the idea of power preservation through suppression mm. and i look at that as ignorance mm. cowardice weakness because it actually takes strength to be brought up a certain way with certain values and certain beliefs and then say oh those two men are in love and they have a child that's a beautiful thing they nurture and have brought up that mm. child in a safe loving environment that takes some strength because you have to break from the shackles of your normality mm -hmm. and and educate yourself to other ideas and, and other beliefs. But that's a challenge. Mm. Strength is a challenge. And it's all right for certain individuals, particularly the misogynistic individuals on social media, to talk about strength training in a gym. But ironically, they're often preaching extreme weakness mm. when it comes to everyday life. Because they're masquerading as this almighty powerful individual, but through trying to embed virtues of suppression uh, in a lot of young um, boys, really, which is mm. quite disturbing. And that's why it's key to champion women and LGBT communities, because it's those two communities who actually face the largest backlash mm -hmm. from such vitriol. And they are the ones who are mostly suppressed. Hate crimes go up through such misogynistic social media rants. And where is the benefit of that? That's right. No, that's absolutely right. And I think going back to, you know, men and having these following it seems to me that there is also a level of men for such a long time 
and not all men, we should say that, um, but there is some men out there that are so used to, or maybe not used to, having control and really, really wanting that control, wanting that maybe they grew up in their childhood not having so much control because especially people of colour, um, let's talk about the South Asian culture, it was very much you you did as you were told, you know. Don't, Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. And um, you, don't, you weren't really in control. And um, so when you're brought up in that environment, I think it is actually quite exciting and quite attractive to be following a man who's saying, actually, you can take that control back, and right. but you can take it out because your mother maybe was certainly very strict, especially in our culture. You can get that and you can actually get your control back from all women. Absolutely. So a lot of it, I believe, is from childhood. Um, yes, would you agree with that? Yes, absolutely. 100%. Uh, the great Indian feminist, uh, Kamala Basin, who passed uh, a few years ago, she explained that patriarchy in India starts with going back hundreds, if not thousands of years, starts with property. So very rarely will a daughter inherit uh, their parents' home. And that still happens, actually. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I know, I know. And... The, the son mm. will inherit the home. In many cases, in families that have multiple uh, sons and, and daughters, it again will just be the sons who inherit mm. the business or the home. And Kamala Basin used to um, state and, and, and go on, on tours educating people that this is a old school foundation of mm. patriarchy the transference of property the yeah. transference of what Assets, is a, what is a yeah. property what is an is, asset is, yeah, yeah a, a safe haven yeah. and that lineage of only being bequeathed from one man to another yeah. it creates this lock system yeah. where men maintain the power yeah and that's why when you have successful women mm -hmm. who break that power dynamic it, it comes as a shock to the system to a lot of people. And maybe infuriates them as well. Of course it infuriates them. It infuriates mm. them and it leads to a lot of hate due to ignorance. Mm. But it's necessary to shock that system and it's necessary to widen that system. Yeah. So there's obviously, again, so much that you've, you've touched upon. Um, but I'm also um, really, really excited about what you're doing in the digital world. Um, firstly, um, let's talk about NFTs. Yes. Because you've, I mean, impressively, I mean, there's a lot of people that still, are still very sceptical about NFTs. I'm sort of, um, I'm looking at it. I'm, I'm on OpenSea. I've got a wallet. You know, like, so I'm, right. I'm one of those people that I'm on the cusp of it. I'm sort of looking what's going on. Um. I'm also part of um, lots of like Discord groups as well. Amazing. So I'm, I am I am in the sort of area um, of it, um, but I haven't transitioned yet because, as you know, lots of social media channels out there, lots of platforms, and they contradict each other. Yes. They there's a real there's a real conflict there when you're. And it's, you can also say it with like stocks and stuff as well. Like there's, there's so much information out there and you just don't know what to be listening to, which is one of my problems, I think, as well. Um, so 
but I ha- I am sort of looking into it. Um, but you've transitioned really smoothly. Right. Um, you've well, everything's firstly, a roller coaster. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, firstly, when did you actually decide to sort of decide to look into NFTs and explore that digital world? I was exhibiting some digital art at mm-hmm. my gallery um, in North London because I thought it was interesting. Okay. And this is years ago. But they weren't NFTs. And then a few years ago, 2020, uh, I got a call from some auction houses who had been to one of my exhibitions and remembered seeing digital art. Mm. And they said, do you have any NFTs? And I remember thinking, what the heck is that? Um, But where things changed is in 2020, I began working with artists and working with brands to create NFTs. So what is an NFT? It's um, That really is a digital certificate of authenticity, mm. but it can be attached to an artwork. Yeah. It can be attached to anything. It can be attached to a property. So you can have it's an kind NFT. kind of like a contract, Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. A digital contract. Mm. You can have NFT housing deeds. But with art, what's really interesting is it's a new medium mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to the digital art. And it's been around for ages. Andy Warhol, 30 years ago, created digital art. But this idea of having a digital contract certainly expanded the interest of millions of people around the world. And it got me to be interested with um, digital art with impact at a wide scale. In my gallery, I certainly sold hundreds of paintings. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've sold over 20,000 NFTs I today. I mean, that's... And and that that That's scale yeah. and that scale is is just much bigger than what I was doing in the traditional gallery. And amongst that, uh, if we if we look at real numbers, I co-created and was was part of the first NFT for LVMH Louis Vuitton Moet Hennessy in 2021, and then again in 2022, and we did it in both. Both years we did it for Pride LGBT month. And the proceeds combined from those two years, we donated all the proceeds over $240,000 to the Magjean LGBT Foundation in Paris, which helps a lot of LGBT youth. And a lot of LGBT youth are the ones who have the highest suicide rates. And that is an example where I've just outlined that Digital Artists Rewind Collective were phenomenal. They created an original artwork inspired by the universe of Givenchy, one of the LVMH companies. And they sold it um, alongside me to raise funds to change the lives of LGBT communities. That is powerful. People who bought that for an accessible price, $100, Mm -hmm. because they were digital editions, so we sold several thousand. Uh, People who bought that, are part of this kind of digital community um, supporting Pride. And some of them have been invited to events. Some of them have received other benefits. So you're part of a community, aren't right, you? Right, exactly. So where where it acts as a digital community, I see value. Where it acts as a tool to help real-world communities, mm. I see value. Where it acts as a... 15-year-old drawing a circle on yeah. on paint and selling yeah. it for 100 grand. No, that's a scam. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, you know, don't, don't take the mick. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, the, you know. but there's no background to it. There's no substance to it. That's right. what you're saying. Right, exactly. And, and the substance is important. And 
that's what I have focused on in, in the digital collectible space. Amazing. And tell me some of the struggles, that, because obviously there's people out there that are still, I mean, will not have a clue. Um, not just people our age, but even younger, but predominantly older, I would say. What are some of the struggles that people face when it comes to accepting that we are going into a digital world? Like, and also, you know, we need to be talking about the AI software that is yes. also coming out as yes. well because it's here. It's it's of happening. Course. What are some of the struggles that you could see that will be facing people if they're not if by not getting into the NFT sort of uh, digital world? I should say. I think we need to embrace the digital, but we also need to regulate the digital. Mm. AI scares me. Um, Does it? Someone, yeah. as you know, I've. Uh, began we, producing movies and people are now telling me that AI very soon will mm. be able to produce an entire Hollywood movie yeah. within minutes. Well, there's um, already TikToks of um, um, AI software and it looks like, I think it's Tom Cruise. I, 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 well, that, yeah, deep, deep fakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, have you seen it? It, it looks... Absolutely. But But what's crazy is... That still involves an individual to stand and, and, mm. and Tom Cruise's face, I guess, through AI is superimposed mm. onto his. But what... Can't be much of a massive transition. No, though, exactly. Right? <laughs> what, what it's moving towards mm. is soon AI will be able to produce an entire Tom Cruise movie at the level of Mission Impossible, which costs $200 million to make. Yeah. And they won't need Tom Cruise. So whether they license... I was going to say, well, I'm, face. But, yeah. but that's really disturbing because yeah. it takes that personal away. Mm. And if AI can do that, mm. that's just in one field. And I, th but I think that's what people are seeing in the art world, right? Because they're yes. seeing that people are going onto computer, not traditionally sitting there in front of a canvas for, I don't know, weeks and years and yes. literally, <laughs> you know, each stroke of a brush. Um, and I think... We're already seeing that, aren't we? So we are, we are, and and that's why I say embrace with caution. Mm. And I, there's not anything that everyone is an expert in. There's no experts. People are forever learning in a, mm. in every field, and there's a lot about AI NFTs, particularly. AI, I have no clue about, and I'm I'm, yeah. I'm still learning uh, every day. But where it can be used as a tool for change and impact, mm. that's really important. And and if we can harness that mm. to uplift women and LGBT communities, it might get us closer using technology mm. to this goal of balancing out the patriarchy and misogyny that has ruled the world yeah. for thousands of years. Absolutely. Perception, definitely, when it comes to change. And um, something that I'm... I'm really excited about when we spoke on the phone is your step into the film world. How how long have you been in the film? Was it just a recent sort of? My best friend mm. is a remarkable producer named Jordan Jordan Dykstra, and he's a great producer, and he is amazing, really, because he's from this agricultural dynasty in Iowa. Um, Spirit of a nation, backbone of a country, um, <laughs> you know, in, in, in the kind of heart of America. Mm. And he voyaged out to California 
and he went from intern to real top independent film producer making 10, 15 million dollar movies. And so he, um, and I'm so grateful to him, mm -hmm. he gave me the opportunity in uh, 2021 to produce a film with him. And I I was a small part in that um, as an executive producer. And it's the film is called Assassin Club. I, I believe it's out in UK cinemas next month in Amazing. April 2023. It stars Henry Golding, Sam Neill, Numi Rapos, and Daniela Melchior, uh, so phenomenal actresses yeah. and actors. Um, we have a great Asian um, in the lead, um, again, championing minorities. And it's a fun film. It's a fun action thriller. And that has paved the way to Jordan and I doing five films together this year. Amazing. That I mean... But I couldn't do it without him. No. Yeah. Every, well, it takes uh, yeah. a team, doesn't it? it take, as you say, we were well, talking he's, about... Well, he's the boss and <laughs> uh, when it comes to film. And I'm, I've just learned so much yeah. from him. And I think it's something to be said about friendship. Um, what's the mark of a true friendship? The mark of a true friendship, in my opinion, is one where you just want the other person to be happy and healthy. If you actually think about friendships, they're not like true family relationships often mm. because your mom and dad want you to be happy and healthy. Yes, they might want you to be successful, but at the end of the day, they want you to be happy and healthy. The two things that matter the most. And the reality is a lot of friendships, they drift apart, that's life. A lot of friendships people get competitive with one another. Mm. They compare each other, often comparisons of money, but that doesn't mean anything. Um, and I think the real beauty of my relationship with Jordan is we just want each other to be happy and mm. healthy. Um, and that kind of mirrors the relationships I have with my uh, core family members, you know, my mom and dad. And that's something quite beautiful. Mm. Um, I think some people go through life without a friendship like that. And mm. that's sad. And, yeah. and, and, and I think, again, um, you have to surround yourself with good people. Um, and I'm inspired by him every day. And that's why I'm so excited to be making these films with him. And um, we even are producing a film which I've written because um, I studied humanities and literature. Mm -hmm. And this film is an art heist film. Wow. So it's about stealing a painting. I love that. Yeah. So that is going to be quite fun. Amazing. And I just, you know, it, it, I think that's a, a really important subject as well when we talk about relationships. And because a lot of people struggle with relationships, don't they? Absolutely. Yeah. And one of the, um, and I think I've struggled. I think everyone has struggled, actually. I don't, because, um, the first relationships you have is with your family and yes. um <laughs> yes. and that can be quite difficult and and people might I, I don't think that's a reality when it comes to relationships in the family because it's different your family is different um when you've been brought up in a certain way and they're sort of your parents experiences especially in the south asian culture i think um something that um now that we've touched upon relationships and you know being South Asian, being first generation British Asian, having to navigate um, between cultures as well. 
maybe our parents didn't have that. I know certainly my parents came over with their Indian heritage, so wow. that would have stayed with them. But I think for me, navigating through my identity, through having to keep, I think, not changing my culture, but having to be more of this yes. and less of that. Right. That's too British to be Asian. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. And that's exactly where Too British to be Asian came from because I struggled a lot with my identity and with sort of conforming as well, um, which obviously I, I now that I'm going to be 40 next week. Um, wow. Well, I know. Um, I got there. Um I now understand the true meaning of identity and it's actually self-acceptance. And you're a mother. And I'm a mother. To yes, a one-year-old. To a, and a seven-year-old. And a seven-year-old. My yeah, gosh. Yeah, I didn't tell you my that. Gosh. No, no, no. Yeah. When I, I, I once had a... You babysat. <laughs> no, no, I've never, I've never um, uh, done babysitting. Um, thank God. Uh, maybe only when I have children one day. Right. First of all, I need to find a partner. Let's start with we that. We need to do that. We'll do that uh, for you. I'll, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, uh, but I, when I was younger, I had a meeting with the president of India, President Abdul Kalam. As you do. <laughs> right. As, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and it was a beautiful um, moment. It was just... The two of us and my parents were also mm. um, in the room. And he was encouraging me to make positive changes in the world, to be an activist. And he said that being a mother is the most important role in the entire world. And it was something that always stuck with me mm. um, to create life. And it just blows my mind how... Women are the creators of all life. Mm. And so many men dedicate their lives to suppress the creators of life. Yeah. That mm. is insanity. And I've said it before, and I will say it again. Men should not be writing laws to suppress women's bodies. Men should not be, particularly straight men, should not be writing laws to suppress LGBT communities. But if you look at what's happening with abortion rights, it's clusters of men, mm -hmm. often white men in Europe and in the United States, who are writing laws to suppress women's bodies. I just heard of a case in America where my friend told me a woman went to jail for having an abortion after being raped yeah. and she now faces more time in prison than the rapist. Yeah. What world are we living in? That is Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. And we need to break free mm. from this nonsense, from this patriarchy, from this misogyny because it's a power struggle yeah. to maintain onto this 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 ludicrousy. Mm. First, they tr tried the misogynists, the patriarchs, tried to control the family and women through property. But now that we have great women, great LGBT members, able to obviously buy their own property, their own mm. beautiful mansions, people in power are looking for other ways to suppress. Yeah. And so the woman's body is a clear one. There's that disturbing image, I think, of a dozen men in Congress in the United States, writing laws um, which criminalize abortion. Mm. <laughs> and there's not one woman in the room. And, and this is it. And 
it astounds me because when you look at like companies, organisations now that are regulated, um, they even have their own diversity and inclusion sort of consultants. But we don't have it when it actually, we need it, you know, right. especially as you say, like places where powerful policies are being put in place yes. to suppress people. Um, I, I definitely agree with that. And, you know, I sort of don't mind men being involved. I think men should be involved. If, we, if we're going to change, I do think um, with abortion law, you know, I, I think men can be involved, but women have to be involved. Right. Right. So because you can't, you can't change something if you've never experienced it. You know, um, it's like somebody telling me, um, somebody white telling me what a racist remark is and how it would feel. You're you're never going to understand that. You're. It's not something that you should be. I should be explaining to you. No. How it feels, and I I agree with you with that. And it blows my mind why that's still happening. It it actually. Not even infuriates me. It doesn't. It, I, as you say, we're in 2023. Exactly. And these hierarchy of men are still paving the way to control policies and laws. Exactly. And as, as you say, to sort of keep that control. And that's what we need to change. Yeah. And that's what we need to shift. Amazing. So, Amar... What are you doing next? So is Hollywood films, there's <laughs> NFTs, the art world, your galleries. Um, My bread and butter in terms of business is art. Mm. I, I view it as a beautiful way to live, to champion artists, to champion cultural institutions, to donate artworks to museums, buy women, buy LGBT artists, uh, diversify their very um, white and male collections. Mm. Um, I I continue with championing the arts. I will be doing some exhibitions this year, which I'd love to invite you to. I would be. Um, physical would be exhibitions. <laughs> and I am working on launching my own digital collectibles platform. Mm. And this platform, if I can kind of get around the tech, mm. right? Because I'm a creative who's gone full on into... But that's why we have a team. I always right, say that right. if there's Teamwork, something you don't know, yeah. yeah, and that's why, you know, exactly. it takes a community. It takes a community. And and if I can master that and have my own platform, the reason for me it's important to have my own platform in the NFT space is so that every single release can have a portion of the proceeds helping women, LGBT and minority communities. And every portion of the proceeds that's mm -hmm. donated, whether it's 5%, 50%, 100%, that's published with full transparency for the community to see. That type of platform doesn't exist. It's It resonates with the work I have already done in the digital collectible space mm -hmm. alongside LVMH and the Artist Rewind Collective. So I want to implement that on scale. And I invested a fortune over the last year in building this platform. Amazing. And so hopefully it'll be released in the next few months. <laughs> That's amazing. That, and that, it really, it really truly is like breathtaking how you're leading by example. And I think Thank we, you. Thank you we, so much. we don't really see that a lot. We see a lot of people, especially with social media, using their platforms to voice their opinions, but to actually be leading by example and paving the way for other people. That's 
truly remarkable. And thank you so much for doing that. No, thank you. And thank, thank you, you for so coming much. on my podcast. I've, you know, no, I'm so grateful. I've wanted to get you on since 2019, but thankfully we got here in, in the yeah, end. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank and, you so much. And, and do come to my exhibitions and, and let's, um, let's keep united in championing women minorities and LGBT communities, because we can all do our part, I think. Mm. Um, I think this is great because a lot of people can see it on YouTube mm -hmm. and, and, and Reels. But even for individuals... In their own communities. In their own communities. It doesn't have to be exactly. a Exactly. Who have no phone. No, exactly. <laughs> well, if they have no phone, they're God. probably not going to be watching this. But, <laughs> but even if I can relate to them yeah. through telekinesis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But this is it. It doesn't have to be what you exactly. know, Champion huge. the underrepresented. Exactly. And that can be in your own street, in your own community as well. But thank you so much, Mark. Thank you. Thank and you. Thank you so much for coming. And thank you. I want you to come back on as well. Oh, yes. Well, let's get, <laughs> let's get, let's get the Supreme Court case one. Yes. And then let's do that. And then let's do it. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you.